Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the KT Temple Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, KT Temple. I am here with two of the mortgage experts of Charlotte, and we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, mortgage industry and kind of a follow-up to the previous episode where I was talking to my dad about the state of the industry What's going on? Uh, what do real estate agents need to pay attention to? There were a lot of questions that we had that we really, me and my dad, just don't have the expertise to answer. So that's why I brought on these two gentlemen to tell us a little about what we should be paying attention to, what we should be telling our clients, how we should be phrasing it, how we should be going about it. So guys, why don't you introduce yourself? Drew, we'll start with you. Hey guys, I am Drew Cody. I'm with Guild Mortgage. Uh, we are you know, bouncing back and forth between the Lake Norman area and the Charlotte area. I have been doing mortgages now for about eight years. So I don't know all the crazy things that were once uh, going on, but uh, just know what today looks like. And uh, thank you so much, KT, for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. And Taylor Craig with Guild Mortgage as well. Um, living uptown, kind of getting to know the lake area now that we're, you know, kind of sitting here. Uh, I've been doing this for a few years myself and, uh, trying to just cope with, you know, this market today and kind of the, uh, the ups and downs that come along. Yeah, it's it's so funny. I feel like everyone's been saying how crazy the real estate market has gotten. And that's when I decided to jump back into production. Apparently, it's been easy for the past three years and I missed all that. Now I'm going to go back and, and start selling. So cool, guys. Well, I, I'm really excited to have y'all on. So I want to pick up right where we left off. So we were talking about interest rates. Um you know, that it's not crazy how high they are. It's crazy how quickly they went up. And I just wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, right now where they are, how we should go about talking to our clients about that and what you're predicting for the future. Okay. So it is, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It is crazy how fast they went up. Um, I remember the beginning of the year, um, I followed Keeping Current Matters on on Instagram, and I was looking at, you know, we were looking at in the threes early in the year, and we looked at the projections throughout the year, and we thought, okay, they're going to go up a quarter percent each quarter. That's what we anticipated, and they did not do that. They have, uh, I think it is all, it's all stemming from this inflation, right? So we inflation is out of control and what they're what the fed is worried about is this is going to be a long-term thing it's going to continue forever and that would be horrible for the economy because could you imagine this yeah. this days this pace forever i mean that would be very bad um so they're trying they have to get inflation under control so what they're doing is they're raising the fed rate the fed rate is tied to interest rate but does not directly correlate to them so mortgage interest rates. Um, so them raising the Fed rate and the instability on, in the market and inflation numbers continue to rise year over year, it's, it's pushing interest rates up. Um, so right now, today, they are the highest they've been all year. They, I, I don't know the exact year it goes back to when they were this high previously. I think when we, when we looked at it yesterday, I think it was 2008 was the previous time they were ever this high. I bet there, I mean, I bet it's going back like previous years, like a decade, at least yeah. more, um, because they they cranked up overnight. 
Um, today is September 23rd, 2022 as well. So note that. Um, so we've, we've seen them come up. So basically what we're looking at right now. So the, the Fed is, there's two ways this thing could go. The Fed could get the, um, the Fed could get everything under control with inflation by these Fed rate hikes. And that would be great. Um, we were told earlier this week in an analogy, they said, imagine the Fed is driving a car and they're, they're controlling inflation, right? They're hitting the brakes. They're just pumping the brakes with these Fed rate hikes. And then they're, they're hitting them a little harder with this three quarter rate hikes. Well, if this doesn't stop inflation from continuously rising year over year, they're going to yank the e-brake. And if they yank the e-brake, you'll see in the market, they'll start selling bonds. So when they start selling bonds off, that's going to send interest rates. It's a very small chance that this would happen. But if they have to yank the e-brake, they're going to go high. Uh, so what, what does, what does, how does, how do bonds correlate to, to yanking the e-brake? Um, that's it's mortgage backed security. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. they, they basically have to sell off the bonds to make the mortgage to, it would directly correlate to mortgage interest rates going up, um, significantly too. Um, so just, if I, if I'm an agent thinking like, what do I need to pay attention to? That would be the thing. If I, that happens, that, that, that is a tipping point for an agent to look at a huge tipping point. I think all we need to pay attention to right now is inflation. If okay. that if that inflation number will come out, I think it's October fifteenth. If that okay. comes the inflation number down from year over year, then we're going to see. Uh, I'd say rates even slide back down, right? So the economists do say, majority of economists do say that early next year we'll see lower rates, and why they say that is they think that these Fed rate hikes are going to chill inflation they're gonna they're gonna control inflation we're gonna get this thing back online um right now there's a lot of uncertainty with this so that's why we're seeing the high rates we have right now um because the bond market is down right now so if you see inflation start to slow down you see it start to correct if you see three months of inflation correcting and coming down month over month you'll see interest rates substantially drop okay so we're not going to ever see the unhealthy interest rates that we saw last year in 2020. You're going to see, you know, and we probably shouldn't have seen those in the first no. place. That's kind of what I've heard from from people. They were like, "Wow, there there wasn't a reason for them to go under three. That, Correct. That, yeah, and I think we can all. I mean, all your listeners and we we can definitely say that that was extremely unhealthy for the market, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it was it was very good for some people's pockets that uh, saw this crazy equity over one, over one year, but, um, or two years, but I mean, how many, I think, uh, yeah, David said the other day, he said 20% of people that bought last year bought the wrong house, mm-hmm. you know? So our current market, I think is healthier than last year. You do see higher interest rates, but people are, being able to do an inspection, you know, which is yeah, is to say we couldn't do that um, mm-hmm. previously, but selling um, a home on Zoom, you know, yeah, just yeah. sight unseen, just get me a damn house to hurry. Right. Like it, it's it's it was a weird, weird, especially for me. Like I, I coach agents, so it's hard for me to tell an agent, yeah, just 
pull it up on Zoom. FaceTime them real quick. Do whatever you can. Like it's it's going to be gone. And that is an unhealthy thing, but it, there was nothing anybody could do about it. Um, I, I was looking at, uh, you know, these interest rates and, and talking to people about it. Something that was mentioned that I thought was an interesting thing to think about it is if we keep these interest rates high, but include something like what I heard Bank of America is just doing, these programs. If the government started doing these programs and isolating groups of people that they want to get in homes, do you guys think that is something that is coming? Do you think that is uh, is a healthy thing? What are your thoughts about that? Yes and no. I mean, that's a great idea. The problem I have with the way it was gone about is it was like they, they released this press and then... You're There's talking specifically about the Bank of America one. Specifically about the Bank of America. Or okay. housing lender, how's, how's it equal, number one? Um, and then the the stipulations behind it. Is it is it um, something you have to pay back? Is it forgiven? Is it what we feel like everybody needed to be educated before it rolled out? Because I saw a real estate agent on Facebook Saturday. She was going, or Friday, she was going around to all the, Bank of America offices asking, hey, um, can you what tell me? This? <laughs> yeah, we're like, uh, yeah. we don't contact, you know? Um, and I'm sure that they'll get more information about it out soon, I would hope, you know? Um, but I do see that there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of attention to affordable housing. There's a lot of um, attention to how can we make, improve our, our federally run programs and stuff like that. We, For example, in this, um, we had... David Batney, he's uh, executive vice president for Guild Mortgage, come out Monday to Charlotte um, and spoke to some of our agents and us um, about the market. And he was um, summoned to the Senate on Tuesday to speak about affordable housing. Um, so he went and spoke about the USDA program, how we can, how the Fed can improve it. Um, the biggest notes were staff, more staff um, to control turn times. But more importantly, investing in technology to to be able to run with the same staff, you know, yeah. things do more things with less um, to be able to, you know, improve a program that helps, you know, low income get into houses or helps people in rural areas get into homes, you know. And I haven't even thought about that. That's a super great point is is that is going to be we we haven't even started to see the ramifications of these giant price increases on right. what that has probably done to affordable housing and and the people that that is going to affect two three four years from now on on these just there's no way there's I, i'm i'm 28 my friends are buying a home isn't even a thought right now they're like there's no way i could even i'm not even thinking about that i'm just trying to make rent right now um so I, I think there's ramifications to this that we haven't seen yet that are going to come, especially in that field. What yeah. um, what way? So if I'm you know I'm a real estate agent now, I've got a lot. I work with mainly buyers. What should I be telling them? What should I be learning about to better serve those people? Because it it has gotten drastically harder for a buyer's agent to to convert a person. You know, with all these new things, they're not just giving away free money now. What do I need to be learning? What script should I be learning? Um, any thoughts about that? I think the the biggest thing that we hear right now from from people, you know, I think I heard a stat yesterday that, 
or, or Monday, um, the most people to ever turn, I think it was 28 to 31 mm-hmm. right now. That, that's the largest population to ever turn that age or something that's going on right now. So, and that is primarily when people buy their first home. So um, the big thing though, is, is this the same as 2008? Is there going to be a big crash and educating them on why it's not is very important. So I'm going to let Taylor talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So like the main key points of where we are today versus 2008 is in 2008, there was too much inventory at the time. You know, there was builders just building constantly and people were buying two, three, four houses at a time with, you know, no income, you know, verifications and no asset verifications. They were just approving loans left and right. And so this thing eventually spiraled out of control and kind of imploded on itself. And so that is the complete opposite of what we're seeing today. We actually have too little inventory. You know, we're about, I believe it's 4 million units short of the market need. Um, yeah, when we when we talked to Gary Keller last, he was like, "It'll take about 15 years for us to catch up on inventory at this current rate." You no, know, for us yeah. to catch up. Somebody said, "If every builder in America built as many homes as they could as fast as they could, it would take 10 years to catch up to where we need to be." There's 1.7 people needing a home to actual available homes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a scary realization. And so, you know, it's not just that it's just they were there were riskier loans before. You know, you hear about in 2008, they were kind of pushing these adjustable rate mortgages. And that's kind of being talked about today, but it's much, much less riskier today. It's still an option. But, you know, back in the 2008 era with these arms, the interest rates would double within just a couple months. So someone's payment for their home was, was shocking. They couldn't afford it. And so today it's, um, there, you know, there are market caps to kind of limit that. Yes, it could change drastically, but instead of changing month by month or every six months, it's typically we're seeing, Hey, once a year it could adjust and it's giving them time to think of options and everything. And so even if it let's say worst case scenario that did happen. And now there's forbearance, you know, before they were just saying, Hey, if you couldn't afford this, excuse me. We're gonna we're gonna go into foreclosure and you know we're giving you a little amount of time to get your ducks in a row to get your house to keep your house. Now you can go, I believe it's up to 18 months of kind of no payments, and we're just gonna add it to the back end. And you can just we're giving you time to find a new job and kind of see what we can do to build this plan so we, we you can keep that house. The mortgage lenders, everybody else, we don't want your house to go up, you know, to be sold and Right. And I think, I think that, that particularly we saw that through COVID, right? So they were saying like back, we weren't in the mortgage industry in 2008, but when, when it did happen, you know, and these people had lost their homes and they were trying to do the right or lost their, uh, their jobs. They were trying to do the right thing. They were trying to pay their mortgage. Their rates were going through the roof, but they were trying to make it right. They were calling their servicer number one, they weren't getting somebody on the phone. It was taking 30 minutes. They were rude. They needed paperwork. They said, send this paperwork in. They called back. They'd have to wait again. They get somebody on the line. Oh, we didn't receive your paperwork. It was a mess. Right. And eventually like they had no other choice, but to let their home go today. I mean, we just saw it through COVID. We just saw, they called up and sneezed on the phone forbearance, you know, (laughs) like it was a different thing you know, that, and the federal government stepped in and allowed that. And I think 
that that's what we're going to see moving forward. Um, and that will keep a healthier market. Mm-hmm. I, and I just to, to remind everybody kind of what me and my pops were talking about in the last episode, underwater homes foreclosures are still under 1%. I mean, they're, they are nowhere near the levels that they were of 2008, 2007, when, when we had the recession. So, so for every news source that you're seeing, like, is this going to be the next? It's not, it's not even the the same thing. We're, we're not seeing the same levels of, of those numbers by, by any means. Um, awesome guys. Well, that's great information. So what else, what else should we be, um, what should agents be talking about at their clients? What should, what should our focuses be? Are there programs out there that we should be focusing on? And what do y'all think? What, what's y'all's best advice for an agent right now talking to their clients? Well, I mean, obviously we've got to read the room. It's a case by case basis when it comes to the, the buyer's needs. Um, but right now, one way that it was explained, um, that actually kind of struck a chord with me is, if you, yes, 6.5% interest rate might seem high compared to your neighbor that bought two years ago. You know, they don't want to be this sucker who missed out on a good opportunity. But what was the national average? Um, seven, so something. over the last 50 years, the average was 7.7 interest rate. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so rate, let's, let's say you let's say you lock in at 6.75. You're locking in at the highest you could ever walk in. You could always refinance. You will never go up if you go for this 30-year fix. So it's like the perspective of, hey, if you could, if you're comfortable with this payment now, you could always lower it when you know when the time comes, but you will never pay higher. So you're locking into the most you'll ever pay. Let's chunk it down when we can. I feel so bad for the people that are waiting on the bottom, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. What are you waiting for? Like it's, it's, you've missed out on so much, especially over the last two years, you know, just, just get in, just do it. Um, you now, I love that. What, what I would say is look, look for a home you could live in for 10 years, you know, yeah. go don't, find- don't wait to buy real estate, buy real estate and wait. Correct. Exactly. I mean, you nailed it. Just, just find something that you could live in and be happy with for 10 years. And it's almost, it's as close as guaranteed as you could get, you know? Yeah. That's there's, again, this is something we talked about yesterday. There's, there's no, there's very, very, I think there's one time in history where you could have bought a house and sat on it for 10 years and just break even every other scenario. You buy a house, you wait 10 years, you are going to get a good return on investment. It's just going to happen. And so what are you guys, what are you seeing that agents do poorly at right now? A lot of, a lot of my agents that I have in my office now, they, the majority of our agents have been in business for less than three years, Mm -hmm. a lot of them. So they only know an easy, nice, fun, 2.5%, you know, interest rate market. What, what are you seeing them do poorly at now that things have shifted? I mean, uh, your your dad talked about it a little bit. Um, can't say my dad's that. doing poorly. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. he said that they don't have a, a 30, 60, 90 marketing plan for listing. You know, like that that's crazy to think because they came into this market and it was like hotcakes, you know, you yeah. just look gone. You know, um, what's so beautiful about this market though is if you're serious about this being your career. You 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 develop a skill set, right? And and you know, just dive in 
and become an expert and you will win. I mean, that's the thing. You're going to see a lot of agents get out of it because they're part-timers. They, they know just the easy, and that's what always happens in these crazy markets, right? But now you have to be an expert again. You know, you have to know your craft and um, do better. Yeah, that was I, um, my, my, one of my uh, mentors when I just got started. It was a guy, he passed away uh, not too long ago, Mike Tavner. He gave me two pieces of advice. He said, one, you're an international real estate agent and you're the local real estate expert. Two, if you want to be the local real estate expert, find your mortgage lender, find a couple if you need to, and make sure that you know everything that they know. You know, yeah. there, there's a lot. It's re, And I did that when I first started. I started selling when I was 21. It, for anybody who bought a house for me when I was 21, I'm so sorry. That must have been a nightmare. Um, but I, I, any financial question, I just said, go talk to the lender. Go talk to the lender. Going back now, I wish I had paid attention more. I wish I had gone in and say, hey, I want to be in on this conversation. Can we three-way this conversation? So I, ju- I just want to learn what you are telling those people. You need to know what your lenders are knowing. Take your lenders out to lunch. Go to their seminars. Go listen to what they have to say. Being a financial advocate for your clients is so important. I think a lot of real estate agents miss that part. They get so excited about prospecting and marketing that they skip the financial things that you can learn. Sorry about that, man. What were you going to say? Um, no, I mean, you're, I'm just listening to these sweet, yeah. sweet words that you're saying. You're saying, take <laughs> this is new to me. Uh, no, this, I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's kind of music to my ears when it comes to, you know, we're preaching this stuff for a reason. You know, we're, we're not the crazy person on the corner, you know, just screaming over here. We're, we're trying to say, hey, this is valuable information. Yeah, at the end of the day, you don't need to know every single guideline in detail that we do. That's exactly what we're here for, to be this lending hand. Um, but it is important to kind of know so you can set, you know, files up appropriately and kind of just make, give your client the best shot that they can have at, at getting this house. And so in the beginning, yeah, today there are, you know, even the last couple of years, there's a lot of agents and I'm not just pointing the finger at agents that, you know, they, you know, the turnover has been so quick, the house sells in 24 hours, you know, they didn't really need to go into the weeds, um, of the guidelines. And so now that we're seeing homes sit on the market a little more, we, it gives us a little more time to say, hey, you, you know, this house, you know, isn't the structure is looking a little bit like this or, you know, hey, the buyer actually needs like this much more money. Like what happens if this appraisal doesn't come in? Like, you know, we need to be thinking a little more steps down the road um, because we the last thing we want is for something to fall through because of something that we were unprepared for or they were unprepared for. So it's, it's good to hear kind of people saying, Hey, like, let's, let's, let's pay attention a little more and, and read up a little more on kind of what the lender has to offer and kind of what products are out there and maybe some more thinking outside the box options and just getting more used to the guidelines because it is very important. Well, guys, any, any last thoughts before we wrap up? Is there anything I didn't ask you that you wish I had? No, I, w- I would, I would emphasize to find a lender, you know, find a lender that you work well with that will educate you um, because it will help you sell more homes. It definitely will. It'll, it'll- I would a- add on to that. Find a lender that will do stuff with you. If you are an agent, find the lender that is going to go open, ha- go to open houses with you, go to events with you, buddy up with somebody. It makes uh, that, that's something I found that, that, 
as a as an agent, even if you're a new agent or you've been in the business ten years, there. It, for for example, Keller Williams, we have Keller Mortgage. Keller Mortgage is never going to go to an open house with you. You know what I mean? They're never going to help you with your event, your marketing, your parties. You still always need that local person that's going to go and and help you get immediate business. Those services are awesome and they're a great resource for you to have, but they're never going to beat out somebody who's actually going to go somewhere with you. Um, So yeah, I I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, I'll give you a recent example. So this Wednesday, I'm working with a newer agent. It's one of his first transactions. Um, His buyer bought in 2006, but they bought outright. So they never had a mortgage. And here they are years later wanting to expand their house, expand their family, and they do not know the mortgage process. And so, you know, I offered, hey, you know, I'll I'll come meet up uh, for a cup of coffee with you, explain the process. And they're like, do you mind coming to my house at 6.30 p.m.? I was like, "Um, you know what? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll come. You know, why not? I want to be, you know, of best of service as I can. And I, I was there until uh, about 8.30 at night, just explaining from A to Z the whole process. And they were beyond grateful. And I just, I know that's something that if I had that, you know, when I was, you know, buying the house, like I had someone that was holding my hand this much and explaining, you know, this in depth, it goes a very long way. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of agents are going to learn quickly that we are out of the transaction market and we are back into the relationship market where you are going to have to go and have a two-hour dinner, impromptu dinner, and just talk about what's going on. Well, guys, I really appreciate your time. Thank you all so much. If people want to uh, follow you or get in touch with you, how would they do so? Uh, My Instagram is Drew underscore at underscore Guild Mortgage, G-U-I-L-D. And my Instagram is Taylor, the originator. And both of our websites are www.guildmortgage.com slash our first and last name. So Taylor, Craig, Drew, Cody. Awesome, guys. Well, hey, thanks. I really appreciate it. And thank you guys, everyone, for listening. We, uh, we, we are having a great time doing this podcast. So please subscribe. It helps out a ton. Leave a review and a rating. That helps me out a ton. We just got put on one of the business charts and that's that's super exciting for something I'm just doing my laptop for fun. So I really appreciate uh, your support and uh, we'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.